Today, we're delighted to have Michelle Collins, Senior Director of Sport Hosting Vancouver. Michelle is a driving force in promoting Vancouver as a leading destination for major sports events, working closely with government, tourism partners, and community organizations. As an active member of the community, she serves on several boards, including Sport Tourism Canada, Invictus Games, Golf Canada, and UBC Women's Sports Network. It's amazing how much you get. I don't know how you get, do you get any sleep. No, not really. That's <laughs> <laughs> overrated. <laughs> of course, recently she was also listed as number 24 on Vancouver Mag's Power 50 list. Under Michelle's guidance, Vancouver secured a host city spot for the 2026 FIFA World Cup and played a key role in the success of the 2019 World Junior Hockey Championships. Michelle, welcome to Coastal Front. We're excited to explore these upcoming and past events. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Okay, let's jump into it because everybody wants to know FIFA World Cup is 2026. What can you tell us about this event and how it's going to impact the city of Vancouver? Well, we're absolutely excited uh, for the opportunity for Vancouver to shine on the world stage. The likes of being in the mix with other world-class cities such as New York, LA, uh, you know, to even Dallas, which, you know, has quite a repertoire for hosting major events. You know, Vancouver, uh, to be part of that mix for the destination and the profile, um, really kind of launches and kind of plays to our abilities to host these major events, especially coming off our learnings from hosting the Olympic Games in 2010. What other Canadian cities are part of the FIFA World Cup? Yeah, so some people will say we're competing against, but we're not. It's Toronto. Um, we see it as a co-opetition. So both okay. Toronto and Canada and Vancouver are going to represent on that scale as the two host cities. Um, what we know so far, schedule's not out yet, is that we're actually competing more with our time zone and time, like for the showcases of games. And so we're actually competing with the West Coast cities in the bid. So okay. that's San Francisco, L.A., and Seattle. Okay. So is this the first time that FIFA has... Um, organized or agreed to a hosting of a World Cup event where it's spread across many cities and across two countries? Or is Mexico part of this too? Oh yeah, Mexico. It's a tri-city bid. It's a wow. tri-country bid. Tri-country bid. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is this the first time we've seen this happen in a World Cup before? Oh, well, we just had the Women's World Cup in Australia okay. and New Zealand in which it was spread between two countries, two borders. Um, I think they had maybe 10 host cities between the two countries. I have to get that correction, but... Um, no, it's not. It's not their first. Okay. Um, but it is the new model moving forward as we see more and more sport organizations look to that opportunity, so that the impact isn't just on one, right? The pressures okay. and the opportunities. Um, we just saw the World uh, FIBA Basketball Championships that was hosted between three countries, uh, with the Philippines, Indonesia, uh, Malaysia. Okay. So there's there's a precedent that's been set previously on on how these can be done, and they seem to have been successful. Um, who's dictating uh, what? teams get to play in Vancouver? I'm assuming this is all FIFA's call or um, how does that work? Well, there's definitely a qualification process for all the countries for okay. the World Cup. And so those steps are taken right now as countries are working towards 2026. And so once you qualify through the processes of your unions and your countries, um, the draw for FIFA 2026 will be in December of 2025. Okay. At the draw party, depending on your ranking at that time, well, when you'll determine where your group stage is and then when you get pulled out of those little glass balls at the show and get put back in, that will then determine what cities are hosting whom. Okay, so are we for sure going to be hosting games here in 2026? Yes. Okay. We're, we're just for sure hosting games. So that's for sure going to happen. It's just we don't know right now 
what teams, what countries are going to be playing here. Correct. And, and or, what, or what the dates are. Correct. Right okay. now, well, we know we're in the month of June of 2026 with the okay. finals stretching into July of 26, which will likely be in America. He who has most seats of the stadium right. will yeah. host the finals. Yeah. Um, Vancouver will play a big role. What role that looks like yet, we don't know. Canada will have somewhere between 10 to 15 games split between Toronto and Vancouver. Okay. What that division is yet, we don't know. That's just still a pretty decent number. I mean, even if it was 50-50 or so, that's seven or eight games possibly here in Vancouver. Yeah. Well, when we originally started this process, FIFA originally thought that there would be group stages of three teams in a pool. Um, that now has kind of expanded in order for them to keep that excitement of having four teams in order for that last game uh, to be really the tension of who's going into the top 32 or the top 16. We have to remember this is a World Cup of 48 teams. This right. is going to be the first and the largest World Cup that FIFA has ever hosted. So as a result of a four-team group stage, we're now hosting 104 games across the three countries. Wow. That now leads to a much bigger profile and hence why we have so many games. I see. Now, Canada, can, this is, we're, we're talking about men's uh, soccer here, or football, um, and Canada's men's team qualified for the last World Cup that just happened in Qatar. Was it Qatar? Qatar, what? yeah. Uh, Qatar, Qatar mm -hmm. okay. Um, is it is it correct in me saying that um, if you're a host, your your team automatically qualifies to World Cup? Is that correct? They did announce that um, a number of months ago that yes, Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. will have an automatic berth into the 2026 World Cup. Okay. What was ex so exciting about the last one is that we qualified on our own merit. On our own merit, yeah. Uh, so it does prove that we do belong there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, maybe you can take a moment to just explain to listeners and viewers how this all came about in the first place. Like, what was like? How did the story evolve? How did this come to fruition? Well, sure. Uh, America uh, was putting up their hand to host the World Cup or the opportunity to put forward a bid. Um, you know, they were looking for alliances and partners in order to host that to kind of demonstrate to all of their unions that that we could host a World Cup and it would be a united bid. That's how they pitched it um, and approached FIFA. Ooh, I think this was 2018. So it's been quite a journey um, of that committee pulling it together in which then Canada uh, had the opportunity to join. So Canada Soccer okay. joined with USA Soccer and the Mexico Football Federation. And from that, um, you know, we did have an internal country bid first to see which cities would then be demonstrated into the bid book. Okay. Uh, it was dependent on how many seats your stadiums uh, would have. So okay. we needed uh, to have 40,000 minimum seats in a stadium in order to put up your hand to be part of the World Cup. FIFA was coming to North America, and the big pitch was come to North America because we have our stadiums that are already built. Kay. We can use the infrastructure that's already existing. Obviously, when Qatar hosted, they built quite a few, and it yeah. didn't look very sustainable to do it in that model. Right. So FIFA wanted to correct that and make sure that where they went to the next games that they weren't necessarily um, spending on capital and focus on the game. Okay. You said the minimum uh, seat size is 40,000 stadi per stadium. So how many cities in Canada, other than Toronto and Vancouver, what other cities put an initial bid in? Um, Montreal and Edmonton would be the only other ones that would have that minimum qualification. Yeah. Um, okay. And so, but they do need a lot of upgrades in order to meet other requirements for FIFA and for it to be sustainable in their community. So, um, you know, through that process and evaluation, Montreal and Edmonton did bow out um, and Vancouver and Toronto were successful. Okay. And this is a f silly question, but Toronto, what state, where, where would these soccer matches take place is it where they're I think it's the yeah, Toronto it's not Impact. a silly question I think we all we all ask that question it will yeah. be at BMO Field 
Um, they do have to add, so they made yeah. a commitment to is adding. Is that where that their current they have a was it called the Impact? Is that what was their, with their uh, TFC is there? So the Toronto T- FC right, Club, okay. yeah, is there. Yeah. So they will. That's definitely, an open door stadium, isn't it? It is an outdoor exposed yeah. uh, facility, and they will be adding because currently I think it's about twenty eight thousand seats that oh, they have wow. there. Okay. So they do have to put the temporary infrastructure or permanent. I'm not sure exactly their yeah. plans yet, but they will be u- utilizing that facility for the World Cup. Okay. Beyond the 40,000 seats, are there any other requirements that FIFA has for the stadiums? Like, for example, does it have to be open air or can be closed? Does it have to be real turf or, or fake turf or anything like that? Uh, it, all venues will have grass and okay. throughout real the grass. Real grass, okay. real grass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all stadiums throughout the U.S. Though they're playing a majority of them in NFL um, stadiums, so okay. there will be conversions um, of them being able to put in the natural turf on top of whatever pitch they currently have. Yeah, um, it's a science that's happening right now. Yeah. Um, they want the consistency. The the stadium and the competition field of play is the most important thing to FIFA. It's the most important thing to the players. Yeah, um, and so they do have these like biodomes that are growing and universities that are studying <laughs> the right type of sod, grass, and seed to Crazy. make up that perfect kind of combination that can exist in all of the, the environmental systems that are our, our, our host cities have. So we have to fit something into Miami that also works in Texas, that also works in Vancouver's climate. So wow. they're studying that right now um, in order to imply it in 2025, 26. Is an open... Uh, open air stadium a requirement or is it going to be closed you mentioned they're going to be mostly in nfl stadiums in the states i think a lot of those are closed in right yeah it's not a requirement i think they look for the consistency so there's going to be a lot that are open the benefit with vancouver is that ours can't have the option of either or so we can meet those needs um i think for them to look at the consistency it might be open just so that if it does rain it's consistent with other places that will have that exposure yeah um plus grass needs rain and we got lots of rain we got lots of rain and turn the sprinklers on just open the door (laughs) exactly open the roof so it'll definitely help us um with the 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 maintenance of our turf though um like when they do put in the grass and bc place is going to do a great job they're responsible for that they're responsible for that okay has BC Place ever had real grass uh, turf in their facilities before for other events? Do you know? Uh, not not to date. Uh, we have yeah. done it when the temporary Empire Stadium was built, when BC Place underwent the renovations, and there was a few uh, international club football teams uh, that came over, and we played it out at Empire Stadium where we put um, natural grass on top of artificial, but the science has changed yeah. so much today, and the technology and where that's going that I'm really confident with what they're going to be able to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. What I did, I was just in London and Wembley actually does a lay and play turf every game. I didn't realize. Really? Yeah. In order for them to have more opportunities of concert holds and to be able to diversify what uses their stadium, the minute you put a cover on top of natural grass um, in order to do a trade show or a concert, it probably will die after four, four to five days really? um, without having the proper exposure, light and elements that it needs to be able to sustain and grow. So Wembley does it every time they play and they call it a lay and play pitch really so it's crazy. quite a science people are doing this across america uh, for yeah. those stadiums in order to diversify what kind of events they offer yeah well this is such a big ticket item there's so much money that goes around the fifa world cup that i imagine that uh, it's worth the investment for uh, all parties to make this kind of investment let's maybe talk for a moment about um, some of the challenges that the city of vancouver is going to face in organizing such a large event um, do you have any thoughts around that? Like as far as, you know, the things that the city, like I'm just thinking in terms of like accommodation, for example, 
Yeah, any thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely working with our partners at Destination Vancouver, we've identified that uh, the capacity of our hotels, like we have about 13 to 15,000 room nights downtown. Um, and we know that we're going to need more. Um, right. So this is really going to benefit the whole lower mainland. We right. believe that people will be staying where they can get a room, whether it be Richmond to Surrey, maybe even far as Chilliwack. So, um, you know, this opportunity of hosting, while it looks like a challenge, is really an opportunity for all of the lower mainland to benefit. I wouldn't even be surprised if people stay in Victoria and take Helijet or Harbor Air over <laughs> for a game day experience. Yeah. Well, there won't be any... Uh there won't be any short-term rentals, that's for sure. No more Airbnbs. <laughs> so, um, but that's not why you're here. So yeah. <laughs> um, we can ask David Eby about that one. So maybe we can talk for a moment about like maybe cultural and economic impacts of events like this. Um, and not just FIFA. We were spending a lot of time talking about that. That's to come. Um, but you've also been, you were key in bringing the 2019 World Juniors to Vancouver, which is super exciting. And of course, we had the Olympics, which many of us were a chance to be part of or you know, take part in, in cheering on our teams. But maybe can you talk for a moment about like how this impacts the culture of our, you know, Metro Vancouver area, as well as like, does this have a, a you know, a positive net economic impact on, on our city? For sure. Like major events have transcended Vancouver over the years. This all started likely with Expo 86. If you were right. to see the yeah. images of what Vancouver was like then compared to the, the development that happened after, obviously moving forward to the 2010 Olympics and the Paralympics, um, what infrastructure and opportunities. And for me, I always say that the greatest legacy has been the human legacy. We have right. this ca this capacity of a can-do attitude now. And while we're a little city in nature compared to the other destinations that are hosting some of these mega events, we're punching way above our belt as to what we're attracting to Vancouver. And that opportunity to, you know, have a big name in this place of where it's a desirable destination to come has definitely helped to launch our uh, destination as a tourism commodity for people to come to. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of our biggest kind of products that people come for um, and the opportunity to come through Vancouver and then explore the rest of British Columbia. We're so proud to, to kind of set that up. So. It does have that impact on culture. Sport transcends. Yeah. Sport kind of creates that equal playing field and it teaches you how to be proud. Like, I don't know if before 2010, if anyone really went up and down the streets just high-fiving people in the st streets right. and creating yeah. this, like, we can cheer. Yeah. We can cheer for something really exciting. And so, you know, it brings out that sense of community where people expect to be together to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. And you look at, say, for example, I know you've also been involved in the Rugby Sevens. That's been a, a big draw every year. I know a lot of my buddies love going to it. It's a super fun event, and it's amazing watching these athletes run up and down the pitch as well. Um, you've got some other events coming up here as well. Invictus Games, is that mm -hmm. correct? Invictus Games, which yeah. is the honorable um, multi-sport event, service, like honoring servicemen and women who yeah. have been injured um, while in battle. And uh, the, there's 21 countries that will be coming to participate in that. I just returned from Dusseldorf, where I went to observe. And I, I can't tell you, that event is not necessarily going to be about the fans and the cheering and the, the, num the sheer numbers. It's going to be completely about the emotion and mm -hmm. the honor of these people who serve their countries. And we never saw them on the front line. We never saw them be our heroes. Um, to have them here in front of us putting that badge and putting that flag back on their back yeah. and be able to cheer for them. I'm so excited for Vancouver to be a part of this, to, to present that honor to people who have served our country. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And when, when are those taking place? February 2025. So February we're 2025. coming up to the one year to go. Okay. Um, it'll be February 12th to, tw to this, uh, February 12th to the 
22nd. 22nd. Um, and from that, you know, the excitement of it is it's Vancouver and Whistler. So there's two destinations that will be benefiting from it. Um, but it's a wintertime event. It's going to be the first ever hybrid winter mm. Invictus Games. Okay. So with Sport Hosting Vancouver, we try to attract events to support the visitor economy in the off season. So the opportunity of hosting that in February, we know that it's 20,000 room nights already uh, booked. And that's a low peak for our hotels. So they welcome these events and opportunities to come into the city uh, to support that. And so there'll be five indoor sports at the Vancouver Convention Center. We're adding in wheelchair curling um, out at Hillcrest, which is a legacy oh, cool. of the 2010 yeah. Paralympics there too. Um, UBC will have swimming and Whistler will offer the Paranordic. Um, the excitement and the downhill. Um, the excitement of Whistler is that they're actually gonna offer skeleton. And okay. many of the nations who are coming have never been on snow or been on ice before. They're just so excited. <laughs> do they to get have at least a warm-up round? They do get a warm-up round, <laughs> but that sense of adrenaline. Because the, yeah. the games are not about winning. Yeah. The games are about partaking and, and, and using sport as a vehicle for healing. Yeah. And for them, um, you know, to get that adrenaline rush going down yeah. head first, down the track again, <laughs> to feel that, I don't know that if you energy. Could send me down there. I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're really excited about. Yeah. Wow. Before that... So that's 2025. You also have in November of 2024. Uh, the Grey Cup, yeah. the CFL Grey Cup. Like what an opportunity. Like Hamilton just finished hosting and we saw everybody just out in the street celebrating. I'm so excited for the BC Lions and their new ownership with Amar Doman, uh, what they're doing for that team to pull that Canadiana culture together and welcome people into downtown. Um, you know, families. It's a true family event in a Canadian tradition. One of the oldest trophies, I believe, in sport in Canada is the Grey Cup. And it's going to be a five-day uh, celebration at the Convention Centre, so the festival, which will have arts, culture, music, everything. It's basically, I like to describe it as Vancouver's largest Roxy party without having to line up. <laughs> like, you just want that it's good, good house band up on the stage with your, your buddies, your friends, your drinks, and you want to get in and have a good time. And then, yes, wrapping up with hopefully the BC Lions being in that final. Yeah, let's hope so. November of 24. Yeah. Wow, that's, that'd be amazing. I was at the uh, Grey Cup. I don't know which one it was. I was in my early 20s when BC Lions were, uh, were playing in the final, and we were the host city as well. And they won. I don't remember who they played against. In 2011, that was pretty magical. We won it. Yeah. 2011 was 2011, that one yeah. yeah. And so we, we, we played and we won, and that was uh, electric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you also mentioned um, Expo 86, and I actually even went to that one too when I was like 12 years old. I remember that really well. You that got your little it. passport, yeah. you got your stamps, <laughs> totally. and you went around. Yeah. So, yeah, the legacies of all those venues, yeah. right, Amazing. that are built and ready for it. Yeah. Now, you're also really involved in golf. Uh, and a lot of people may not know that you, um, as I mentioned earlier, you're on uh, some boards, including you're involved with BC Golf as well as Golf Canada. Do you want to maybe elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I joined the board of BC Golf without ever holding a golf club in my hand. Okay. And everyone's like, what? What are you doing that for? And I'm like, if you're going to grow the game. You don't start with that. The first question being, what's your handicap? Right. Because nobody starts with a handicap. Yeah. And so for me, I was introduced to the game through gamification. Um, and, I, and I say it that way because I used to play best ball tournaments. I used to get invited and I just knew it was a good time and that I should at least know how to hit the driver so that I could get three drives and that's all I needed to play in these fun work golf tournaments. Yeah. And I wanted to be invited to these best ball things. And I was like, okay, like I just got to get off the tee box three times. Somebody teach me. I want to be able to go. 
Um, and so I knew it was good for business. Um, you know, the opportunity of being able to play the game. Uh, I also saw the excitement of being outside and the elements of being in nature and kind of enjoying it, but just being there with my friends. So I started the game. I started on those boards, never playing. Um, I was on the board for BC Golf for eight years, um, then transitioned to the Golf Canada board just this past two years. Uh, but I have said in 2020, I got a coach. Um, every other sport I played, I had a coach yeah. that got me better. Yeah. So when people say, are you good? And they're like, no. <laughs> Did you ever get a coach? No. <laughs> so uh, I made a goal in 2025 to play a competition. And my coach has taken me from knowing the activity to now learning the game. Wow. Okay. Good for you. <laughs> I don't I a golfer myself. So I, I maybe these are some silly questions, but I've heard that apparently like getting tee times now since COVID is impossible because everybody took up golf. Um, do we host any? Is, first of all, is that true? Yeah, is definitely. There's pressures on those opportunities for, for tea times, for sure. We're starting to see it kind of quiet down a little bit. Okay. But for sure, COVID elevated and amplified the opportunity to play the game. It was one of the few things you could do in British Columbia while COVID was on that you could still play safe uh, going to the golf courses. So when we were uh, confined to staying in British Columbia, many, many people who normally travel for golf stayed home and played golf at home. Yeah. And so it did put pressure on tea times uh, to be available. But we're starting to see... Uh, more opportunities now open up within our public facilities for sure. Okay. Speaking, carrying on with golf, are there any, do you foresee us having any major golf events here in Vancouver in your future, like for, for the city? Oh, we just hosted one of the best ever. I'll say that at Shaughnessy Golf and Country Club in August, we hosted the CPKC Women's Open Okay. Um, in partnership with Golf Canada and the Musqueam Indian Band. Um, because it is on reserve, and we hosted uh, what was then awarded just recently uh, the LPGA Tournament of the Year. And wow. so in the entire circuit for the LPGA, it was ranked number one uh, by the athletes, uh, but really? also won great awards for the volunteers and the participation. It was such a, a, a beautiful moment. Uh, we were supposed to host it in 2020, yeah. and then the pandemic hit. Um, you know, They approached us to look at hosting it in a bubble, Mm -hmm. in a confined environment um, but that wasn't what my goal was for the event you know when the city of Vancouver along with its partners Destination Vancouver and the Vancouver Hotel uh, Destination Association invest in the, as, these events uh, the, the social purpose and the legacy is a really comp important component to us and if you host it in a bubble we couldn't have our kids there we couldn't mm -hmm. see them to aspire and Vancouver's population who's playing the game you know, when these young kids are training at Fraser View or learning at McCleary, I want them to be in that front row where they can see heroes that look like them. Mm -hmm. So we had tons of players from Korea, China, Japan. So our youth, when they look up, they can yeah. see that hero. And I wanted them there in that front row. Yeah. And I think the best way of describing a golf tournament, like when we did host, kids under 12 were free. And to anyone coming out to that event, it was over 10 miles of front row seats. Wow. Right. When you think yeah. about it, right, yeah, like you can get a yeah, ticket to the grounds. Yeah. You can be up there right beside Brooke Henderson or yeah. Lydia Ko or whoever you want. Like I had so many That's opportunities, so cool. whereas yeah. when you buy a ticket at the stadium, you know, it's, yeah. there's a variety of seats that move you away from the field of play, yeah. whereas golf really created that opportunity. And I thank Shaughnessy Golf Club for permitting the opportunity to host such a major event there. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle, are there any um, major sporting events that you would love to see come to Vancouver that we either haven't hosted in a long time or ever hosted at all? 
Yeah, oh, there's so many because again, I try to find those events that re resonate with our citizens. Mm -hmm. And I would love to have a cricket event in okay. Vancouver. Okay. I know it'll be a modified version, but BC yeah. Place was originally supposed to be a baseball stadium, right? Like it has the media, it kind of turns, it yeah. does have like an oval-like shape. And so we have tested bringing in a batsman to be able to hit and play and kind of look at, see what we could do for a, a Cricket 2020. Okay. And I just think it would be such a, a unique experience to host an exhibition friendly um, that our community would really embrace and want to be there for. Uh, we, we saw the excitement of the, the World Cup that just finished and it was India versus Australia. Yeah. And just knowing how strong our South Asian population is here. My family's West Indian, actually. Yeah. The West Indian Cricket Club is a go to over the generations. <laughs> I'd love to see a, a cricket exhibition here. OK. So cricket, what anything else on your list? What uh -huh. about, we used to have host a uh, it was the indie Vancouver indie. I mean, when I was uh, in my teens and twenties, mm -hmm. and you, you know, I don't know if that's considered a sport. I think it's a sport. It's a sport. Know, it's, like it's it's a sport. It's an event. Um, I think we also try to find the events that complement what our community infrastructure is. Yeah. And you know, with the the breadth of how many people live in downtown Vancouver, it's finding that balance that they yeah. also enjoy the events we bring in. Yeah. It's quite a disruption. I think we just yeah. saw what happened in Vegas with them putting up all the barricades and right. covering everything, and, it, and yeah. it takes over. It makes sense for communities that um, don't have people living in downtown to to do that, but it's quite a disruption. Yeah. So we try to find that balance of a fit. It's not to say we wouldn't ever do it but it takes quite a bit of consultation with the neighborhood yeah. uh, to ensure that we we have the right fit of those events so um for vancouver's image uh you know we're, we're looking for those other products that are really like a healthy living wealth like well-being lifestyle yeah okay fair um i'm sure this is probably not in your wheelhouse but could you see us ever having an nba team in vancouver Oh, like, oh, yeah, like we, we had it. <laughs> um, and I think if it just hang, hung on for two more years, like it would have like just broken that cusp of that next generation that was there in Vancouver kind of growing up. Um, we know it's an I mean, extensive. Seattle doesn't have one, right? Seattle doesn't. Yeah, no, they it used doesn't. to have, have, one, have one as well for much longer than us. And you'd think that's a basketball town, but now they have an NHL team. They do. And they do Amazing. have the will of the people to look at the NBA team. Um, yeah. The value propositions of these teams have skyrocketed since the last time we looked at what the, the purchase price, I guess, for an owner was for the, for the, the Grizzlies. Um, so it's, it's, you have to find the right owner in yeah. order to make it launch and that they want to make that investment in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, and then also work with the facilities, like as of right now, you know, the Aquilini's own Rogers Arena. And yeah. so looking at what their engagement or involvement would be. Yeah. Um, so when you speak to like what events I would want, if we don't yeah. have an NBA team, I think it would be pretty special if one day we could host the FIBA World Championships and bringing basketball to Vancouver and co-host it with Seattle because okay. they don't have a team. Because they don't have a team either. Yeah, that'd be kind of, that'd so be pretty So you have neat. Pool A and yeah. you have Pool B. Right. And you have a team that qualifies. Team Canada's basketball team just qualified for Paris 2024. And wow. they haven't qualified, oh, I think since 96 when Steve Nash played. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a big deal um, yeah. in order to be able to have that opportunity. And I think we could co-host with Seattle. Anything that can support that corridor of visitors and economic impact um, up and down the Cascade Corridor, the Vancouver-Seattle connection is so great. Yeah. Okay, what about Summer Olympics? Do you think Vancouver could ever host a Summer Olympics? No. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I say that, and I say that with confidence because of how big it is. Yeah. Like, the Summer Olympics with the, the number of 
competitions and sports that they have yeah. um, it does not necessarily fit in the capacity for okay. the venues. Could Canada host a Summer Olympics if the IOC was to unpack that uh, portfolio of events to be hosted across the country as opposed to a single destination? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, but I do think that the current format for how many sports and how many disciplines are in, um, it's 84 like 80% bigger than the Winter Olympics. Really? It's very large for how many group teams, sports, like that whole kind of, I, I think they're gonna start to relook at what, what indoor sports they can move into the Winter Games portfolio okay. because it's becoming too big um, for many destinations to host. Wow, wow, amazing. Hmm. Now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, before we started filming, a lot of our guests on this show are politicians at th all three levels of government. Um, you work for the city of Vancouver. How much of an influence does uh, mayor and council have versus, say, the provincial government versus the federal government in bringing events like FIFA World Cup to Vancouver? Is this is this largely in the hands of the municipal government to kind of make things these things happen, or is it really a shared responsibility? I mean, where is the kind of real big influence come from? Oh. Um we would call the FIFA World Cup a mega event. And okay. due to um, the jurisdictions of each party that has to be involved in order to deliver it, it, ha it definitely needs three orders of government in order to, to secure it. Okay. Um, so for sure, the, the federal government, the provincial government, the provincial government owns our stadium, which is right. not normal across Canada. It's not many people have that. And then the, the city of Vancouver being the external to be able to help with the delivery. So it is for sure a collaborative partnership between all three orders of government to do that. Um, along with our partners, Destination Vancouver, um, in order to co-promote and have the event. Okay. Has it has the change in our municipal government from uh, Kennedy Stewart to Ken Sim and a movement from a kind of a fractured city council to largely controlled by ABC Vancouver, has that had any positive or negative imp or any impact on adding more sporting events to Vancouver? Um, we've been very fortunate to have a partnership with the Vancouver Hotel Destination Association and Destination Vancouver that's kept us on the map and keeping it going in that partnership with the city of Vancouver. I think under the leadership of today, they're very focused on what they can do to bring events <coughs> yeah. into Vancouver. And so I think it's just helping the momentum for us to, to have the resources to do it really efficiently and effectively. Um, it's definitely opened up conversations with some of the motions and the opportunities that they've said, let's look at these to make sure that it's smooth and applicable to our community. And so there's been, for sure, a focus on what special events, not just at the mega level, though, but it's right. also at the community level. Sure. What can we do to make sure that Vancouver is seamless and hosting and a great experience, whether you be that minority arts and culture group that's looking to host or Little League that just wants to have right. a parade going into Carousel yeah. Community Center. Like, we're really trying to be as embraceful as possible in order to help our events community thrive. Yeah. Well, Michelle, this has been a great conversation. I think you really um, highlight the fact that this is not a boring city. You know, some people will say, oh, Vancouver is so boring. You know, there's nothing going on in our city. And I, I mean, maybe that was the case at some point in the short recent history. But I would say with all these events you've just uh, announced and the ones that have been recently hosted, 
Would you agree? Oh, I think yeah. we were fully complimenting. I think that there's yeah. been excitement for the variety of sporting events. Like we had a very successful uh, year in 23. Um, the runway leading up to the FIFA World Cup is just as impactful. But we also have to remember we're getting some major concerts and what yeah. BC Play Stadium is going to be hosting soon. Like the announcement of Taylor Swift in December of 24 yeah. is pretty huge. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I and know we my just, daughters are asking if I get them tickets. Like, everybody's <laughs> daughters is asking. Um, but it's like, kind of cute. My mom called me right after she heard. And she's like, do you think you could get tickets, Andrew? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Well, just most recently in September, we hosted the Labor Cup, which was a Roger Federer tennis product and yeah. had some of the best in the game there. And to have that at Rogers Arena and next door, have Coldplay play at the same right. time. Yeah. It just brought the city to life. Right. Yeah. Like everyone's in downtown and the, the, the businesses like everybody thrives when you have that energy. And yeah. I do feel that we're, we're a fun city. You have yeah. to find it. And whether, you know, like it's there yeah. just uh you know for us it's a matter of making sure that they're accessible and that's what we work really hard on we just recently hosted the the christine sinclair um retirement game of yes. canada versus australia and you know the price point of those tickets were 20 dollars to be able to go inside yeah, that's, um, that's and to celebrate with her yeah. the largest ever women's friendly um sporting event in canada with over forty-eight thousand fans there for a game to yeah. celebrate one of Vancouver Burnaby's icons, Christine yeah. Sinclair. It was yeah. a very special night. Yeah, that was pretty neat. Um, if Van listeners to this podcast want to actually uh, know about the sort of timeline of various calendar events, do you have any suggested websites or ways in which they can kind of like plug in? I know myself, like we're doing a quick trip down to California, take the kids to Disneyland, and we're trying to like figure out what sporting events are going on so we can take the kids to something. And it's like, you got to go to like 15 different websites. <laughs> Is there any kind of you know, quick hacks for people like if they want to know what's going on in Vancouver? Well, to tell you the truth, we're working on that application right now because okay. it is in a variety of spots. Our, yeah. our best one right now is through Destination Vancouver on their website, okay. what's happening in the month to come. Um, we'll put up most of our marquee events there, but it's we're now working like I think Destination Vancouver, just to be clear, that's that's what used to be known as like tourism Vancouver. Yeah, so right? Destination right. Marketing Organization, they're yeah. Destination Vancouver as opposed to tourism because they're yeah. helping with destination development. So they yeah. just re recently did a rebrand. Yeah. Um, under that, they, you know, I as much as COVID was such a disruption in our visitor economy, um, it permitted the time for all of us to sit down and see what we could do better efficiently together. Yeah. So we brought all the festival producers in, we brought the sport, we brought the arts, the culture. And so working together, we're looking at that centralized opportunity to populate, you know, what to do in the city of Vancouver. Yeah. Um, and so that is coming. Yeah. Um, but That'd right. be great. Cause I know myself, I ended up just going on to StubHub, you know, and like, just because, because we might, we were sort of indifferent if there was like a really cool concert to go to, or a sporting event, you know, we got one night free and while well, we're down in California and LA. And so, yeah, it'll be nice to see if, if people have access to something like that. It's good you're working on that. For sure. And I think we'd be really intentional with the events that we attract because we, we we see that visitor wanting to do the same thing when they come to Vancouver. They're not just coming to the Rugby Sevens. They're coming to explore the, explore the destination. So we're working with our partners. How do we speak to that ticket holder so that we can populate your inboxes with come pre-stay with us and extend your stay because there is so much to explore in Vancouver while you're here. So how do you layer in to understand what what concerts are on, other sporting events, yeah. or even like a day trip over to the island to be able to go whale watching or something right. else. So yeah. we're, we're definitely building out those packages to attract visitors and encourage them to stay longer. Yeah, great. Okay, so to recap, as far as big events coming up here, 
Um, you've got rugby sevens that are taking place. They, those happen in the February. In, fe- in so February. February 25th to 27th. Or, 2024. Oh, sorry. February 23rd to 25th, okay. which is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Both men and women now playing in the oh, stadium. Oh, really? Okay. Um, so that's yeah. just like three months from now. Three months from yeah, now, exactly. Not even less than that. Kicking that and, off for February right yeah. into. And you know what, Vancouver year after year since 2019 a little pause with the the pandemic but coming back even stronger was the vancouver international marathon which is typically the first weekend of may okay um you know we just hit records with 19,000 runners wow and uh sold out the the marathon distance because there's various distances in the competition or the race um so that is also a highlight on our calendar along yeah. with the grand fondo in september right okay and then we're going to get into Grey Cup Grey in Cup November, November. Of 2024. Mm-hmm. That leads into Invictus Games. Into in February. February of 2025. Correct. And then I'm not sure what else you've got planned, but the big ticket is going to be FIFA World Cup. And just to make sure it's clear, that's in June 2026. of 2026. Okay, so don't go away. It's you want to be soon. home. You, you want to be yeah. a part of it. Don't, there'll don't, be fans zone celebrations. Yeah. And, you know, for us, 2010 was special. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, from the population of who loves football, soccer, it really is a sport that reaches out to so many communities and people. And while Winter Games was fun, this one will be extra special for the communities and the families who now call Vancouver and British Columbia home. And so I think this is going to be a moment in time where you just want to be there. You just want to be in the presence. Even if you're not inside the stadium, you want to be in the fan zone. You want to be watching it live. Is it going to be really big? I think 100 percent. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like, like, is it going to be, like, electric? Like, is it going to be – are people going to be taking a day off work to go, like – Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. They're going to be – it's going to be big. It's going to be that excitement and that vibe that's here. And, you know, even if you're a business that doesn't necessarily have the rights to the marks for FIFA, like, yeah. just putting up those national country flags, like, right. all over our city yeah. and lighting it up. Like, it's going to just feel that energy that, you know, you felt a little – like, you felt throughout the Olympic Games, but it's going to be on steroids. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Michelle Collins, Senior Director of Sport Hosting for Vancouver at the City of Vancouver. Thank you for being on Coastal Front today. Best of luck with all these upcoming events, and um, go team go. Go team go. (laughs) See you in the stands. Thank you.